The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Instances and also uh, the Office of Oversight and Accountability and trying to build community trust by ensuring more transparency, more community engagement. And the Office of Oversight is also uh, part of the violence prevention effort with uh, its relationship with the Urban League and the implementation of Cuba violence and expanding our engagement effort with the refugee community. When you hear Mr. Davis next week in terms of the Know Your Rights uh, program, I think uh, uh, it was initially targeted for um, most local grand rapidians, and I think our focus was on making sure that it is uh, with translated into Spanish. But I think he has efforts to translate it into some of the other immigrant ref- languages known by other immigrant and refugees. Next slide. So you'll see uh, some of the um, select performance metrics. Uh, the chief has uh, updated is use of force manual based on the use of force policy um, strategies that he shared, I believe, last uh, July. Uh, There are civilian trainers that are being used to uh, teach or co-teach constitutional policing and de-escalation. There has been a a lot of focus on uh, wellness and particular officer wellness with the use of the uh, uh, trauma of law enforcement seminar that the police department has deployed. Uh, We spoke about the data-informed community engagement efforts. I won't go into a lot of detail. Now, we've increased our uh, qualifications or ability for firefighters to provide emergency services because oftentimes they are the first responders that are on site. Uh, The dive team has been deployed for several incidents, I think even one more recently last week at Riverside Park. And um, rescuing people. Uh, We've also um, created um, the hot uh, job classification permanently for the homeless outreach team and other staff. And we continue to work with residents on the fire safety prevention program. Next slide. A couple other things I'll highlight. Um, I appreciate this commission uh, accepting the grant for the regional catastrophic preparedness efforts and we briefed you on that here recently and it's also going to be able to help us fund uh, some additional resources in our emergency management office that was uh, our office of one now will be able to expand uh, we have uh, and you've seen how the uh, our collective response in responding to some of these severe uh, weather instances uh, particularly around the snow events in November and December. Uh, We've also uh, continued to work with uh, the Oversight Office in developing frameworks for how uh, it works with the police department in terms of um, investigations and uh, critical incidents. And uh, as part of that effort, I think we uh, um, were able to get some language passed in one of our agreements with, uh, several of our agreements rather, with uh, uh, several of our bargaining units to help solidify that effort. Next slide. So before the chief comes, I I just want to put in context how um, community policing has been not 
incident or a point in time, but has been um, evolving here locally as well as nationally. And it is every year we try to improve and get better uh, in terms of our efforts and working with community and particularly in areas around reform. And you can see historically some of the things that started as early as 2015 based on community engagement and feedback with the 12-point plan, as well as uh, other reports that have been done over the year to the deployment of the body cameras that I see uh, the officers are wearing here this morning. That initiative started in 2016 uh, to uh, several of the other uh, community-engaged efforts, whether it's uh, the SAFE Task Force and its efforts or the uh, revised Youth Interaction Policy in 2018 uh, to uh, the Hillard-Hines Deployment Study in 2019, the deployment of our Office of Equity and Engagement, Office of Oversight, the revision of the Youth Interaction Policy that year, and you can see even in 2020, well, we continue to uh, hear and work with uh, this commission and community around improvements and the ordinances that would improve how replica weapons are used. Appreciate city attorney's effort on, on that, uh, as well as uh, some of the operational changes that were needed to make sure that uh, officers, uh, the police department is staffed appropriately and the strategic plans that have been uh, deployed by both police and OPA. To uh, the continuation of these efforts uh, with uh, deploying what has long been hailed as something that uh, this community should be should uh, implement in terms of evidence-based violence reduction and cure violence. I think that conversation started in 2013. Uh, so as early as I saw an email around that, uh, even this morning, to the implementation of cure violence in 2021 to 2022 and hiring uh, our current chief, Chief Winstrom. And he has, uh, it has, has it been, it still has not been a year yet. It has feel, feel like he's been here years. <laughs> it is still not a year yet. Uh, because as, as you aware that Chief, shortly after his arrival, had to help this community through very critical, critical um, incident involving uh, our very own uh, officer involved shooting here in Grand Rapids and the shooting of um, uh, Patrick Leoya. And so uh, the chief has been really focused on uh, trying to uh, make sure that he engages both the department and the community in effect a way that helps us to uh, move our community department forward. And at this time, I'd like for him to come up and provide an update from the police department on both uh, his vision for policing and the strategies that he's uh, put in place moving forward. Thank you, Mr. City Manager. And I want to recognize uh, Michael, Moore's, uh, Michael Moore's outstanding work on this. You, you all should have a, a draft of the, uh, the updated strategic plan in, in front of you, and he somehow, somehow turned a big chaotic kind of mess of a Word document in, into what you see. So uh, I'm very thankful for that, and also Allison uh, Sutter for keeping us on task and collaborating. We might not be the easiest department to work with, but uh, we can all agree we are the most fun. Um, 
yeah, like you said, it's almost been a year. March seventh to be a year. This picture was taken with the uh, with the city clerk here, and I know uh, in those first few days, I had a bunch of interviews, and I was asked uh, what my plans were, and I said my plan was to be the most exhaustive person in the city of Grand Rapids for the next three months while I met the the, the residents, um, you know, the community, and the department department, and I have uh, been close to keeping up that pace. Uh, throughout the what's now coming up on a year and I will say this I am not exhausted I am energized um, I'm very positive I'm optimistic because of the the support I've gotten from the community the city leadership and um, so from the department many of whom uh, leaders of the department are joining me today and I just like to point out really quick uh, Captain Chad McCursey of the West Service Area is here or lieutenant of a special response team What was your name again, sir? <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Matt Ungry, Captain Catherine Williams from the South Service Area, Dave Cyber, Captain of the new Training and Engagement Unit, Lieutenant Maureen O'Brien, who's in charge of our Community Engagement Unit, also spearheading, doing a phenomenal job spearheading our critically important uh, recruiting efforts for the department. Jen Kalchik is our Public Information Officer. Joe Drellis is a Sergeant for Digital Intelligence Unit. Jen Zobel is not only one of our fantastic crime analysts, but also one that uh, was elected by her colleagues in the, the department as the professional employee of the year for 2022. And much of that is due to our outstanding work on making sure that our DICE program is a success. Clarissa Novak is here. She's the coordinator for victim services. Karin doesn't work with us, but we still love her. <laughs> Deputy Chief Kristen Rogers and Deputy Chief uh, Joe Trigg. Um, we want to be the gold standard in policing. To get there, GRPD needs to build, keep building trust, reduce crime, bring justice to victims, and recruit and retain great employees. I'm so thankful for the other leaders in the city who recognize that the police can't do it alone. When we co-produce safety, we're best positioned to have a safe city for everyone. This plan will help get us there. Success means being committed to building trust. It takes time and a lengthy track record of ethical behavior and transparent communication. Building trust is definitely, uh, it's a journey, not a destination. Success means full staffing with a diverse, a diverse and exceptional workforce, which can be achieved with the support of this city. The best response to crime is to stop it before it starts. And even when the police aren't the solution to every problem, GRPD standing and supporting others, doing good work in the community is something we're proud to do. Our communication has improved and our commitment to communication, transparency, and accountability is only matched by our commitment to listen. I'm proud of the co-response mobile Christ team, the efficiency it has brought, and we'll keep evaluating its effectiveness and how we can improve. I often get asked what we're doing to engage with youth in the city, and the short answer is everything we can, and we're always looking for more. I'll personally be assuming the role as chair of the board for the Grand Rapids Boys and Girls Club very soon. GRPD has athletic programs, a youth police academy, an explorer program, an intern program, which is, have all become excellent ways to help grow our own talent. We're starting up a youth advisory board. We regularly appear at high schools, colleges, really anything we can get an invitation to. The only thing holding us back to doing more is enough officers to expand these efforts. Training is a big topic I've heard is a priority from the community. I'm proud of the constitutional policing, de-escalation, and self-regulation training we brought from civilian trainers since my arrival. We enhanced our de-escalation training even further by sending six instructors to become trainers in the nationally recognized ICAP program created by the Police Executive Research Forum. In my engagements, 
the community made it clear it wanted our officers to train on de-escalation, and I don't know of any agency that's trained more or better at it. I appreciate the cultural competency and implicit bias training I inherited and plan to continue to build on it. We'll constantly look for ways to become more efficient and use our resources more effectively. This is our current organizational chart where we've removed the captain position over special operations and elevated the position over training to a captain over training and engagements, two ele elements of our job most critical to our success as a department. We just started GRP, GRPD's CALEA reaccreditation process. We're very proud of accreditation achieved by our Forensic Services Unit and also our Dispatch Center. Officer Kaylin Stevens for receiving an award for her efforts to combat drunk driving from MAD and our Explorer team who won the Governor's Cup defeating every other Explorer team from around the state. We're building a culture of excellence, and showing compassion for others is vital to that. So the acronym ICARE is appropriate to capture the values integrity, courage, accountability, respect, and equity that we embody. This is an update, not a new plan, and our vision of partnering with the community to become the safest mid-sized city and most trusted police department is unchanged. Our mission, protect people and their property, reduce and prevent crime, seek justice for victims, ensure people feel safe and are safe, and foster trust and positive relationships with our communities. Again, as an update, priorities haven't changed. Our, our priorities in this strategic plan are, again, safety, innovation, <coughs> engagement. Our first objective is basic policing, responding to calls for service and problem solving with the community. We plan to continue our DICE program and have, it added, and have added it to our strategic plan. Data-informed community engagement is a long-term project currently in place in two areas, which uses data showing the areas most impacted by gun violence and brings in the community and as many partners as possible to see who else other than just the police can positively impact these communities. Like Allison Sutter, I love acronyms. We love data and we love acronyms. Um, Pairing my appreciation for, for both, Strategic Planning, Analysis, and Response to Crime, or SPARC, is our second strategy under safety in the plan. SPARC meetings are held regularly to review crime trends such as burglary patterns or other issues which may not be chronic or have underlying place-based causes but can be impacted by a focused police response. The meetings level the knowledge of our exceptional crime analysts and provide an opportunity for leadership to review the effectiveness of responses. Unfortunately, root causes often get brought up in conversations as an argument in favor of defunding the police. I don't think that uh, that conversation is an either-or conversation. The focus should be uh, instituting policies and practices that are proven effective and doing so based on the most up-to-date research and in conversation with communities. It's imperative that we recognize that while policing alone cannot solve all problems, not adequately funding the police is similarly bad public policy. Ideally, we'd like to stop crime before it happens. We're excited to support efforts by Cure Violence and partners, partner with others working to improve conditions which factor into crime, especially where it comes to our city's youth. Additional safety objectives include replacing our aging armored rescue vehicle, which recently made the trip to East Lansing to help evacuate students during MSU's tragic active shooter incident. And our mobile emergency operations center used not only for critical incidents, but also large-scale events such as marathon and concerts, and adding unnamed, unmanned aerial systems to our technology tools following the city's surveillance policy. 
We'll keep looking for ways to innovate how we use our resources. It's often a challenge that police are called upon to respond to or address issues that don't require the presence of an officer or they're not always ideally suited for. So embracing alternate responses, ensuring our technological systems and our processing of information are as efficient as possible are included in our plan. As technology evolves, we'll keep up with the time, such as evaluating upgrades to our 911 system. We recently added text to 911 to provide options not only to the deaf and hard of hearing community, but also to individuals who may be in a situation such as a victim of domestic violence who may not be able to make a telephone call. Continuing with innovation, we will partner with OPA and the Kent County Prosecutor's Office on victim advocacy and restorative justice programs. Our first objective in engagement is getting to full staffing. Utilizing the help this commission provided last year, we're ramping up our marketing and social media capabilities with the help of an outside company. We're connecting with athletic programs, military events, and traveling to historically black colleges and universities. Objective two here recognizes in the past year, PD hasn't always been as communicative as it could be. We just graduated our second post-COVID Citizens Police Academy. Our Youth Police Academy is back. Communication about crime and criminal incidents continues to improve, and we're looking to improve victim services, especially with survivors of domestic violence, and attend events across the city so that we can meet the community in a positive environment as often as possible. We're being really intentional on getting our employees engaged in recruiting. One example is we have a lot of former college athletes featured on uh, the flyer on the left who are now police officers. This flyer and the police officers went out not to local area gyms, but also to their individual previous sports programs the officers went to discuss recruiting and becoming a Grand Rapids police officer. The plan calls for continued cooperation with OPA and the Office of Equity and Engagement, keeping the publicly available metrics dashboard updated, keeping the police chief advisory team, creating a youth advisory team, building our guardian culture through constitutional policing and continued learning, including all parts of the history of our profession, good and bad. Not only is crime data publicly available, but like other departments, we use Invisio to regularly track our progress in the strategic plan. We also appear monthly at the Public Safety Committee and respond to inquiries from the public on an ongoing basis, sometimes multiple times a day. That concludes my presentation. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Chief. <Thanks. clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. All right, I think I'll get started. I have a couple questions. Uh, but first, uh, Chief, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you and thank you to you and your entire team, uh, but really thank you for your leadership and your hard work. Uh, I've seen you out and about, uh, sometimes seven days a week. I'm sure you are exhausted, uh, but I'm glad that you're still energized. And thank you, Mary. Personally, I want to let you know how grateful I am to have you in our city leading our department. So that means a lot thanks. Thank you, Mary. Uh, my two concrete questions. Uh, I'm curious timeline for our reaccreditation. Uh, and when we hope to be accredited be with accredited ACLIA? For, for ACLIA, for, for the ACLIA. whole uh, police department, I believe is July. Of this um, year? I don't believe it is in July, yes. I know because it's uh, the presentation is in Oklahoma, and I was said keep a couple days open to drive to Oklahoma. Fly and they'll, similar to years past, they'll have a team here uh, locally. That, yes, and that has, that has begun. They're doing the uh, web-based assessment ongoing as we speak right now. Okay. Oh, good, yes. good. I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, and then my second question, I feel like... For at least five years, we've been talking about unmanned aerial systems. Uh, I know that that became a larger conversation last year, especially with the speeding motorcycles and stolen vehicles. Right. I recently was at a conference for the U.S. Conference of Mayors and sat in a number of sessions around safety and policing and heard from other chiefs 
uh, talking about how they use unmanned uh, aerial systems to not just respond more quickly, but also it's a safety issue, as you know. Uh, so I'm curious, what, what is the timeline? When will this body be able to have that conversation publicly and, and move forward? We already have a draft policy that, that we're ready to go with. Um, we have actually a, a Captain Cyvers trained on, uh, on drones. We may have more individuals trained uh, in that. But the department's excited about it. I know for me, the first, um, the first real big incident, we had a, <clears throat> uh, a toddler that was in the back seat of a car that was stolen. And uh, the driver of the stolen vehicle realized there was a, a toddler there and just pulled over and left. We had thought there was a pretty good chance that there was, and this was during the summer. So we knew we had a very short time to find that toddler, uh, find the vehicle so that, that child did not die. Uh, we were fortunate at the time our SRT team was in training and uh, we emptied every police officer that could get in a car. We kind of did a grid search of the area and we found the car parked before the temperature of that vehicle had reached to a critical point where the child was, was injured. But uh, the county heard it on the radio and they came over and they were getting their, their uh, drone ready to go. And it's a shame that the second biggest police department in, in the country has to you know beg other um, agencies for help. They're always willing to help, but uh, there's a many, many smaller agencies that have the drone. I think the uh, communication about it in the past has been, do you use drone as a first responder? That's not what we're looking, uh, or first responder, that's not what we're looking to do. We're looking to use it in critical incidents. So uh, very soon, really, um, I don't know, not this public safety meeting, because it's at three, perhaps <laughs> the next one. <laughs> All right, thank you, Chief. All right, uh, commissioner's questions, Commissioner Isasi, and then Commissioner Moody. Thank you, Mayor. Thanks for that um, question about the, um, I'll just say drones, because it's hard to remember the, all the acronyms. Um, <laughs> but I do want to just, again, highlight, I remember I was on public safety as a non-commissioner, and that conversation was being had with, um, I think a group had gone, and there were some folks from the NAACP that had gone with members of the police department to California to look at their, their program. So it'd be great. I, I would appreciate that update because I know that there was a lot of work done prior to COVID um, to make sure it was community informed. Um, my one question that I have is around the investment, um, which is one of the, obviously we see um, Lieutenant O'Brien there, but the technology and not, but and the technology investment, uh, really recognizing that there needs to be some different strategies around recruitment as you try to get up to, you know, the, the sworn number uh, available that you have. That was probably in November of last year, so I'm not sure uh, if you could give a little update about We're, where that is, anything yeah. that you're seeing. Sure. Well, we're very thankful that uh, this body did grant us uh, the, the funding so that we could use an outside firm, Epic Recruiting, who is here. And they have, um, uh, they're scheduling meetings with either 30 or 40 individuals from uh, the department and from the city to come out and do their due diligence to learn about the city as they put together um, uh, the product that they're delivering to us. So that's, that is underway. I just ask all the paperwork signed and they're scheduling these meetings as, uh, as, as soon as possible, hopefully. Yeah, Great. Thanks. thanks. Uh, Commissioner Moody. Thank you, Chief, for the uh, work that the department is doing. I really appreciate the efforts that is being done. I, I, for one, love recruitment in terms of home base, but I'm glad that you're going outside of our city to look for other opportunities as well. Um, my question at one is, in terms of uh, recruiting, outside of the city of Grand Rapids, especially those that are in HBCU colleges, is there a brochure that explains to them about our winter months, our... 
No, that I'm serious about that because uh, I know a lot of guys from HB. I went to an HBCU school, and they regret coming up here because we got winter, we got snow. So, but I, as I was on the school board once, I shared this with uh, um, Superintendent O'Neill, Teresa Neal, once, and I said to her that we need a brochure in place that talks about what are the opportunities here, uh, what are the uh, uh, entertainment life is like here, what are the churches life like here. Uh, what it, what does our city really have to offer? And I think that's important. So I don't know uh, if you guys have thought about that or not, uh, but I would just like to implement if that's not in your, your brochure, it needs to be in there somewhere. Uh, home life. Uh, uh, we're working with any kind of realtors to bring individuals to the city, let them know where they can stay at, what communities they want to be in. I think all those things are important. Um, where but they can ski and snowshoe. I don't think that, I don't think a lot of them are going to be skiing, but I can tell you, uh, they might go tobogganing, but they ain't going to be skiing. <laughs> but that was my first question. And my second question was, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the engagement with the uh, Police Chief Youth Advisory Board. Uh, is there an age group on that board uh, that you're looking at, and where are you going to collect those youth from? I'll let Deputy Chief Rogers who's spearheading that effort. So we're looking at teenager age, um, try to keep it around, I would say, 14 to 18. We're looking to partner with Grand Rapids Public Schools, um, the Boys and Girls Club, and a lot of those um, entities already have, like, teen nights that they get together and they have other events, so we're looking to partner into those and actually getting out into the community rather than always having people, like, inviting them down to the police department, but going both ways. I appreciate it because I believe in getting out in the community, making yourself known, and making yourself seen. Uh, you're going to answer my first question? Yes, Commissioner. I uh, am reliably told by Lieutenant O'Brien that we actually do work with uh, experienced GR to provide uh, more information than just the financials and things about the police department so that they can learn about the entire city. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thanks, Chief. And thanks, D.C. Rogers. Mayor, if I could yeah, uh, go ahead, city Mayor. To add to Commissioner Moody's point, I think... What you, um, the point you made is real good to help not only in the police department, but just for talent acquisition in general to dispel some of the negative stereo, geographical or climate uh, stereotypes about um, our city, our state. And um, we're seeing, at least seeing this in other parts of the country that are cold weather cities that are able to recruit talent in the Midwest and Northeast and, and particularly in athletic programs where they have to go to high schools down south and uh, convince people who grew up in SEC or Big 12 territory and convince them to come to schools and universities and, um, and I do think it is about how we brand ourselves in a way that uh, exposes people to something different. Uh, people who often uh, have not uh, traveled, particularly at, at, uh, in high school, have not traveled outside of their own state. So I think that's a, that's a good point that all of us can uh, really think about as we try to recruit talent, not just in the police department, but through every city department. All right. Follow-up, Commissioner Moody? Yeah, and, and making that statement, Chief, I wanted you all to understand that in the early 60s, there was a superintendent by the name of Phil Ronkel in Grand Rapids. And if anybody knows Phil Ronkel, he put a program together to bring teachers to Grand Rapids uh, from HBCU colleges. And at that particular time, we had collected over maybe 50 
60 teachers from the Southern District of our United States. And what he did was he did exactly what I said earlier, and that was he put a program in place to talk about housing, entertainment, and specifically to talk about our weather. And uh, I don't know if that we, we might be able to find that from the Grand Rapids Public School System, but that's important. And I wanted to make that comment because um, it's important that if we're going to recruit, that people know where, they, where they're going to be living and what the environment is like. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So Thank we're talking you. about climate control. We got ice. <laughs> thank you, Commissioner. <laughs> uh, Commissioner O'Connor. Yeah, thank you, Mayor, and thank you, Chief, for the presentation. Uh, excited to see the, the reorganization and uh, restructuring of the org chart and, and how that will work. Uh, I guess one of the questions sort of tangentially related to what Commissioner Moody's talking about, you know, the obviously, you know, it's challenging across the country to recruit uh, men and women to be in, in the police department. Uh, you know, you got your, your flyer here that lays out some of the benefits uh, available to be a police department. But what what are the other things you're, we are, are doing as a community to kind of talk about how we wrap around uh, a police department? You know, we talk about needing mental health services for individuals uh, in the community uh, as a service that we need to provide. But I think, you know, focusing inward, too, we want to make sure that the, the men and women doing the job have the resources they need, given the nature of the, of the work that you all do. Um, how, I mean, how do, how do we talk about that in, in terms of like, as, 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 we, as you're out there on the street recruiting, how do you talk about the support systems outside of just, you know, what, what are the, and what are the things that might be lacking in order to, you know, to better attract folks to want to come to Grand Rapids? Well, I'll tell you, one of the, one of the things that I, um, I, I inherited, I can't take credit for, but the uh, officer wellness system that we have here, including the, I mean, if you come visit the police station, you can go see the therapy room that uh, the officers have access to their, uh, the full-time counselor that we have on site or the uh, gym equipment, which some of it could be updated. I know that's a discussion point too, but uh, it's something that I never had in 20 plus years as a police officer. We have a, um, a real family atmosphere. I think we have over 40 individuals who are trained uh, peer support and uh, very active. So I'm impressed by the officer wellness. Um, if there's ever anything that's brought to my attention we could do more of or certainly up to it. I don't know how uh, much, Lieutenant O'Brien, if you want to talk to um, that that uh, as a concern for the recruits or um, potential recruits, um, other selling points. Is that one of the selling points? You, yeah, it's absolutely a selling point. You, you have to come to the mic. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> The public they thought they here. were all going to get away with it. <laughs> uh, it is definitely a selling point. I think that uh, you know our department is in the forefront. Not many departments offer this. So it's not just the physical, but also the mental component um, that we're highlighting. The physical, the mental um, package. Um, we have a department that allows uh, officers to work out during their lunch break. So that is another um, way that we're trying to promote um, officer wellness. But um, looking at those, obviously, um, we're the second largest agency in the state of Michigan, so we do attract some attention from the media. So um, trying to combat some of some of that when we're, at, we're out recruiting as well, but highlighting what we as a city have to offer, uh, not only living here, because we have officers who live within um, the city, um, but what the department has to offer too. And so any help that you guys have um, and helping us promote that is great. In your, no, can I ask a follow oh, yeah, up? Go ahead. So you're, you're, uh, you know, in your role leading the recruiting effort. If there was one thing you could change, or one thing, one tool you had at your disposal that you don't have right now, what is it? Oh gosh, yeah, you really put me on the spot. Um, I, 
What's that? Your phone a friend? Yeah, you can use your phone. Yeah, any bonuses? Well, it's funny. We're here on all sorts of things. Uh, definitely, we've done a lot of research on um, hiring bonuses, and they're happening throughout the state of Michigan. So I think in order to be um, competitive, particularly for not just lateral transfers, um, which is we're trying to get more experienced officers um, to also combat those that we're putting through the, or to ac uh, accentuate those that we're, <clears throat> excuse me, putting through an academy. So to have those officers coming in with experience is really um, important. And uh, so I think uh, these hiring bonuses are really, really important that we should um, really act on. We've been talking about them for well over a year now. Thank you. Yeah. Great, thank you. All right, commissioners, any other questions before we move on? All right, city manager, I'm going to maybe have you accelerate this. I know we have an executive session still and probably some colleagues that want to make sure they have a chance to eat. So I'm going to ask now our CFO to come and share with us the next section. Okay. Um, that was supposed to be the fun part. I don't know what that makes me. Maybe it's the, I get to wrap it up. So um, the financial piece, here we go. Um, as far as our economic update, and this is going to be just a very brief presentation from me today. Um, I talked to you much more about what was going on economically in December. And since then, we've had the state revenue sharing conference. We've had the Economics Club gave an update, The Right Place gave an update, and um, it really is all over the board. Um, what the consensus is, though, is that we are currently exceeding our pre-pandemic level as far as revenue we're receiving, and, and we see that at the city, but um, one thing that that is different is while we are starting to see the revenues return to the city, um, the cost of doing business is much more than previously because of this inflation factor. So we've talked a lot about inflation over the last year um, for the state revenue sharing conference. I, I include this in the second bullet point. What they, what they see happening is inflation cooling off. Though this morning we heard from our treasurer that we're expecting three more rate increases before July. So we have, we have like a kind of a tug of war going on on economic factors with um, the other phrase you'll hear a lot is sticky inflation. So we haven't seen that pullback yet on spending. So, so you know, it's, I think one update I actually went to was actually called, it's an economic tug of war right now. Um, so it's very much the case. Um, coming off of the state revenue sharing uh, conference though, one of the good news for the city, they're seeing the revenues revenues return with withholding and sales tax. So for the, for the city, that means our state share allocation is projected to be six billion above what we previously thought. So that's that's really good news for the city. So we're, we're running six million above projections in our across the five year forecast. Um, again, just looking at a mild re recession, particularly seeing contraction with manufacturing and industrial, um, and then we'll see banks tightening credit. So, of course, as we look towards shaping our budget, you know, affordability is is something we're we're definitely going to make sure we're weighing when we when we make our, our recommended budget. But um, one thing that historically has happened here in Grand Rapids is we've outperformed the state typically, we've outperformed the nation. So um, knowing that we're insulated, we're a bit more diversified helps. 
So for our income tax forecast going forward, I am um, right now recommending a little more aggressive than what we have been in the past. I believe in December I was I was taking fiscal year 24 negative. Um, I am anticipating right now that we'll be able to outperform. I'll firm that up before I present the budget um, at the end of April, but for right now, we're trending at 6% for the year. And then going to 0% for 2024, recognizing that mild recession, but then start to slowly kick it up in fiscal year 25 at 2% and then 3%. Uh, you will see a bit of a dip um, from 23 to 24 of that line to, you know, in the graph to the right. That just, recommend, that just recognizes that tapering off of the compliance revenue we were um, pushing the gas on that through COVID, but this is just a pot of money that's out there on um, income tax co compliance, the backlog of it that eventually that, that source is gonna start normalizing to about five million in the out years. Um, and then our, our refunds were seeing stabilized between 14 and 15 million across our forecast. Uh, we talked already today about the parking fund, but just to remind you, this has been the, the fund that's probably been impacted the most throughout the pandemic. So we do pull that out just to keep, uh, make sure we're keeping an eye on what's going on. Uh, the graph to the left shows how the parking fund or mobile GR has accommodated the the, the pandemic where they saw a huge plummet in their revenues. So uh, what they did is a pullback on service levels and their operating fund, but particularly with their capital fund, um, they were no longer able to fund that. So we did infuse ARPA, which is represented by that dotted line across the forecast. Now, typically, uh, this operation needs about six to eight million annually. Um, so we were able to get them back up into that range. However, what what we're not accommodating for is there's still a backlog of asset management needs that we need to address and costs more because uh, of inflation. So we saw that with some budget amendments this year with the elevators and, and things like that. But going forward, we, we are going to do our best to get them back up into their um, that six to $8 million window for their asset management. Over to the right, I did take a view of... Um, seen, okay, back in 2019, how we expected the revenues to fall and then compared to how we're estimating right now. Um, we are currently projecting to still be under um, where, we, where we were with our pre, and it's adjusted for inflation, but our pre-pandemic estimate. So um, again, that, that brings into the question of if we need to consider um, doing anything with rates to, to make sure we're taking care of that fund as well as the asset management side of the operation. Uh, we also have a couple slides in here on the op opioid settlement revenue. The city has uh, received $800,000 um, in proceeds. And uh, I just put this in here just as a reminder, as there are restrictions and specific compliance activities that we will have to do that's attached to this money. 30% uh, used um, to address past alleged harms from opioids, and then a minimum of 70% to address these other three, the you know misuse and abuse of the products to treat or mitigate and and then um, mitigation of related things. So 
so we have the uses there uh, for for now right now we're asking county bohatch and the community development department to um, solicit and evaluate proposals for permitted use and um, there is a chance we might be receiving future receipts we're still uh, waiting on our legal department to firm firm that up what our expectation is to be over time and I, I put this in here just for your information of how they specifically um, define alleged harms as well as op opioid remediation. So moving on towards the fiscal year 24 budget, um, again, we, we've accommodated the labor agreements and any kind of already approved third party agreements. We set our targets to try to control that non-labor spending it, recognizing that we do have a mild recession and again thinking about affordability of our services um, and always looking to invest in innovation and um, it just just as a footnote here a lot of what we spend our money on is non-discretionary um, any given department 70 to 80 percent of their budget is going to be personnel if it's public safety that airs more towards 80 percent um, relative to some of the other um, departments over to the right there you can see of the general fund which we appropriated 164 million last year um, that is just 28 percent of the whole share of what you will be evaluating as we um, introduce the budget it's just under 600 million this is a quick snapshot of where we're at with our ARPA spending for our 92 million allocation that the city has received. Fiscal year 21 is, um, we received them in April, so spent uh, just, just around $750,000, and then you can see the actual spending for 22. Um, fiscal year 23 shows our intent of what programming we have out there right now that um, we, we have intention to spend, but understand as we piece together the budget, um, some of these categories into 24 and 25 will be adjusted so this is where we're at today but again this this slide will be updated for the presentation at the end of april when we update the budget we can show you okay here's where we're here's where we're updated on the direction of spending uh, you'll notice that on the second to last line called contingency there's 33.7 million dollars there I talked about this at the beginning of December um, because our income tax revenue has has recovered um, faster than we expected uh, we realize we don't have to use so much revenue recovery in the general fund anymore so we did take our out years of where we thought we'd be using it in the general fund and just plug that down below uh, this this money along with um, other financing vehicles we have be it legislative or issuing bonds um, taking all that into account um, this slide just shows some of the um, transformational or operational projects we have on the dashboard that we're considering and we'll keep you update updated on so I believe um, next we'll have Karen do legislative Good afternoon. As your government and legislative um, affairs officer uh, for the city, 
it's my job to coordinate with state and federal legislators, the governor's office, uh, agencies, local partners, and city departments uh, to advance our um, priority agenda. Um, I act as the staff liaison to the city commission's legislative team and maintain that city legislative priority agenda. So through that work, I'm advocating for legislative policy changes and investments and supporting um, related efforts by the city commission and city manager. And I'm also monitoring legislative proposals and activities um, to maintain awareness and provide that information to the city as an organization. I'm also uh, maintaining awareness of grant opportunities and right now we're in the process of developing a mechanism to uh, track those um, grant applications um, and related activities across the city. So in terms of our um, current legislative um, policy priorities, um, these are some of the things that the city is really leading on. Um, uh, at both the state and federal level, depending on what the issue is. Um, and the first one is something we've been working on for a little while, um, which would uh, authorize the city to create a local land bank authority um, because the city is not located in a county that has a county land bank authority currently. Um, we'd also like to see um, an expansion of the definition of eligible costs in the Brownfield Redevelopment Financing Act to provide additional tools for increasing affordable housing. Um, we're also looking to provide cities with the same option that is currently authorized for counties to enhance local revenue options for convention and entertainment venues, tours and promotion and related activities. Um, we'd like to see um, improvement in public safety accountability through reforms in the arbitration process and access to records for oversight entities. We'd also like to allow additional mun municipal investment options to increase flexibility and remove the preemption for municipalities on banning weapons in public spaces or municipal buildings. In terms of investment priorities, um, we are seeking funding for the affordable housing projects to be allocated by the Grand Rapids Affordable Housing Fund. Um, we're looking for pathways to rapid rehousing for individuals who are chronically experiencing homelessness. Um, we'd like to see an installation of a solar array at the Butterworth landfill, um, as well as on city facilities. Um, we're advocating for park improvement projects for the MLK Park Lodge and Roosevelt Park Lodge. We'd like to see more investment in safe neighborhoods and police relationships. Um, funding to implement a model that will identify lead-based paint hazards in rental housing to prevent children from being lead exposed and reduce the number of children poisoned by lead. And then investment in public safety modernization for replacing the obsolete Division Avenue fire station and construction of a new fire station in the Kalamazoo Fire District to meet community needs, increase services, and decrease response times. All right, thank you, um, Mr. Barrett Mayor. Uh, before you begin, if someone can just go back to um, slide, the one that lists the transformational projects. Yeah, and one more. There you go, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to say a couple of things. One, um, we cannot fund all of these, uh, so these will be uh, based on uh, the projected revenues, our capital budget, 
um, how we allocate ARPA and the combination, as you heard uh, CFO said, uh, what we are able to d get from state and uh, federal uh, funding. But what we wanted to hear today is uh, perhaps uh, some feedback on things that might be important to uh, this body um, individually or collectively on this list that would that would help us inform future capital plans, number one. Number two, if you can advance the slide um, to all the way to the end, the last one with the schedule. Um, in addition to your feedback on capital projects, uh, what I've, uh, based on what I've heard in terms of our favorable, very favorable financial position, both with uh, higher than anticipated revenues that'll come from the state, from income tax, gas tax, as well, uh, excuse me, from our own revenue from income tax, but higher than revenue, uh, state share on revenue from the state, as well as the added 30 plus million dollars of um, ARPA funding that we could use to leverage some of these transformational projects or other things. Um, this budget is being proceeded uh, we're proceeding with this budget in terms of either maintaining or enhancing service levels of all city departments. There are no plans in, at this point to reduce the level of funding for any department or operation based on our very favorable financial position. That is where the staff is uh, proceeding. That's what I've heard based on the collective impact, <coughs> collective uh, feedback from this uh, dais in the past. And if there is a different preference, that direction would need to be given to me today. Otherwise, I am proceeding with bringing forth a budget that continues to maintain or enhance service levels at the current level of all city departments and services. So with that, Mayor, I'll turn it over to you. All right, thank you, City Manager. And, and obviously, I recognize that we'll be taking a much deeper dive into the budget uh, in April as we move forward with that discussion. I have some initial thoughts. Uh, thank you for this update. Uh, so my initial thought, City Manager, especially based on the community survey response that we received from individuals that live across our community in every neighborhood. Uh, I think there's clearly a need to maintain and also improve services in certain areas based on that feedback. So uh, I am supportive of making sure that we have the resources for our departments to do the work they need to do. Uh, and then secondly, my thoughts on ARPA funds. I'm not sure I'm in a position today to be able to give clear direction on that lengthy list. Uh, at, you know, top of my head, that's hundreds of millions of dollars worth of projects. Uh, what I do know, at least for me, and my perspective is ARPA is one-time funds. They shouldn't be used to add on uh, operational costs that we may not be able to pay for five years from now. Uh, I sat around this table during the recession and I was a commissioner when we had to cut $33 million out of our budget and lay off 500 people. And so I think we need to be very prudent as we think about not just the one-time funds we have today, but also how do we make sure that our city is set up for long-term financial and fiscal sustainability to weather potential recessions. Uh, and I'm not gonna turn to my city treasurer who is often reminding us of the uh, unpredictable future when it comes to the economy, uh, but I think it's our responsibility to be very prepared and make sure that we're not in that same position that we learned from the past. Uh, and so for me, you know, one of my priorities is to look at where are the gaps with some of these big projects, but also to look at what is ultimately the city responsibility and nobody else's. 
We've heard from the community they want an uh, improved Martin Luther King Park Lodge for years. To me, that's a top priority. Hopefully, we'll be able to offset some of that cost with state funds. If we're not, that to me is a responsibility of, of our city to invest in those spaces and create a great place in that neighborhood. Same with Plaza Roosevelt, same with uh, Roosevelt Park Lodge. Obviously, we have some fiduciary responsibility for the public museum. Those assets belong to the city. The city used to contribute to the public museum and stopped doing it years ago. So I'd like to look at what are the things that no one else in our community is responsible for that ultimately is responsibility of city government that are city assets. Uh, I'm looking at our chief. We, we've known for years that we're not meeting the response times in certain neighborhoods. That's unacceptable in my opinion. Uh, we've talked about investing in fire stations. I think it's long overdue. Uh, and so again, when I look at that list of prioritizations, that's at least a lens that I'm looking through. Um, so that's helpful, Mayor. Commissioners, other thoughts and comments? Uh, Commission, Commissioner Sassi, did you have your hand up? And then Commissioner O'Connor. You just no, knew I had good. questions. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for this, and thanks for the overview. And we talked a little bit about that today, kind of the position that wasn't all that long ago, Mayor, um, where a lot of difficult decisions would need to be made. I think for me, it continues to be um, supporting what we can do as it relates to housing um, and the, the housing fund, which I think was um, certainly uh, you know, we'll need to see all of these aspects come into places, but other projects where I think the one uh, strength that we have at the city is trying to fill those gaps and connect like what money can be used here. I think we didn't even talk about some of the, uh, uh, I think, federal money around different pieces for um, green infrastructure. So I'm looking at Ms. Sutter, like I keep getting emails about this, like learn more about these dollars. So that would be good to prioritize. Um, I think amenities for our residents, things... Um, I, I would second what you said about MLK Park Lodge. Um, where are things that people can use and we can have built that infrastructure for them to engage in? And then um, I think to your point about the other, um, the other owned assets that we have, we haven't talked about this. And so, and I haven't mentioned this to city manager, but was having a conversation as I prep for our West Michigan Works Board next week, that building that we own um, on on straight on the west side, um, is there ways to to think about that asset, which you know is our asset, and can we repurpose it for, maybe at different times? Uh, so I haven't said that to anybody, but you made me think about what are all those other assets. Certainly, I think the public safety pieces, which when I came onto the commission, that was in the capital, you know, in in the pieces for the capital project. So. I feel comfortable saying that today to you, city manager. I would also echo what you said at the beginning in terms of um, um, staying the course for what, what has been planned um, as it relates to the department. So those are my thoughts on the ARPA and capital projects. Yeah. Thanks, Commissioner. Um, other thoughts and comments? All right. Uh, we, as I said to the city manager uh, and all of you, this is a process. Uh, it was a lot of information today, going on uh, two and a half hours worth of information. I know it takes time to digest it and process it. I anticipate all of us will have questions to follow up on. Please do that directly with the city manager. Uh, I am going to go ahead then and close our Committee of the Whole and uh, meet you all downstairs in room 601 for an executive session. Why don't you take a few minutes if you have to grab something to eat uh, or...
and bring it into executive session, obviously you're welcome to do that uh, and use the restroom and we'll meet down there five minutes, city attorney. Okay, so uh, downstairs, 6.01 in about five minutes. Thank you. <laughs>